Father, this morning, even as we are here in the house at this time of receiving your word, I pray, Lord, Father, you heard our worship, you heard our prayer. Father, we believe, Father, you you were exalted through everything. And even now, in the ministry of the word, that you will exalt your name. Father, you said you exalted your word above your name. And this morning, Father, anoint every one of us, me as I speak, and all of us as we hear. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to each one of us in this last hour of time. Grant us grace to that end we pray. Anoint us, touch us, convict us, change us, sanctify us, and Father, empower us to do your will in our lives. Thank you, Father. Bless us this time. We just want to exalt your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's look into the word. And I just want to look at one of the most familiar passages every one of you know. I'm sure there's none of us here in this place who doesn't know this passage and we will go back to those familiar portions of scripture and sometimes when you look at them and dig at the scripture you find some something uh, something of of uh, we unearth new dimensions of God's word and his personality even as we meditate upon his word and we change accordingly even as we hear the truth and the passage that I'm talking about is what we call as the parable of the sower and everyone knows the parable of the sower and everybody already has a smile on your face because you're so familiar with it you know it at the back of your mind and I'm sure uh, there are still lessons for us to learn from this parable and this by the way I just want to put this in context the message in context this is the first time if you look at the gospel account where Jesus begins to speak in parables parabole That's the word in Greek. And the parable is like a riddle. Okay. It looks very simple from the outside, but it's got such deep, pregnant, cogent meaning. And we have to unpack it and we understand dimensionalities of it, even as we meditate upon it. Different, different dimensions. This is such a familiar passage in scripture. And look, and I, and I want to just position this particular parable. If you, if you see the gospel according to Matthew particularly, you'll see till Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is doing a lot of miracles. He's, he's doing considerable amount of teaching, especially the most famous teaching all of us know is the Sermon on the Mount. And he's speaking to them plainly about the sermon, about the, what the spirit of the law is. And he spoke to them in analogies, explained those analogies. He didn't put many riddles. But there comes a time when Jesus, when he looks at the response of the people of God to his word and to his miracles, to the miracles and to the word, the confirmation of the word by the miracles, he looks at the response and he says, you know what, you guys did not receive what I spoke to you plainly. And now what I'm going to do is that I'm going to speak to them in speak to all of you in parables. And I'm going to speak to my disciples what exactly every parable means. And therefore the entrance into the kingdom will be unlocked to us if we understand especially the parable of the sower. And we all are so familiar with it. So let us visit this parable and the renderings of this parable are given in three synoptic gospels in Matthew, Mark and Luke. Let us look at the famous familiar passage of scripture and from Matthew chapter 13 and this is verse 1 onwards. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat 
by the sea. <laughs> That's interesting, right? Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details of what that what that means, but you can re- look it up and look at the context in more detail. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold! Now, I mean, the, the setting is this, now when he says, Behold! It's like he's there at the, at the seashore, and he's possibly looking at a field just close by, and he saw a farmer sowing seed, and he said, Behold! A farmer. So everybody is looking at the farmer now. Okay, so he's going to teach this story, I mean, this parable, and by just... Using simple, simple illustrations, but deep meaning. He says, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on, fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And verse 7, some fell among thorns, And the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear whatever the Spirit of the Lord has to say. I'm not going to continue. This is what he says, period. Okay. Let's look at the gospel according to Mark uh, account. It's very similar except uh, the last part. And you'll just look at uh, verses 8 and 9 on gospel according to Mark chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop, the last seed. Sprang up, increased and produced. Now he reverses the order. He says some 30, some 60 and some 100. And he says, he who has ears to hear, uh, let him hear. Again, in gospel according to Luke chapter 8, Let's look at this passage from verses 4 onwards. And when a great multitude had gathered, they had come to him from every city. He spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down. That is interesting detail being interjected into the parable. Okay, just notice that. It was trampled down and then the birds of the air devoured it. You see, uh, every... Uh, uh, Luke is a doctor. And thank God for doctors. They're details mania. Okay, so every detail is being recorded. That's what he, that's what he tells the Theophilus. You know what I did? I wanted to know every detail of, of the chronological account of Jesus Christ. And that is how he records every, some interesting detail given over here. Somewhere by the wayside was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on a rock and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. That's an interesting detail again. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on the good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold period. Hmm? Luke is a doctor. No, he knows entrance exam, you should get hundred. So, hundred marks, if you don't get, you will not, your rank will go. So he said, Baba, hundred. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So we have three renderings of this famous parable and everybody knows, your eyes are glued, what is this fellow going to teach? Okay, let's look at the parable. The parable and uh, very interesting, we have the parable, we have four ingredients in this parable. First we have the sower, the one who 
broadcasts the seed. Now that's that's exactly the word. No, when, when the sower is going, he's broadcasting. That's an interesting word. No, what what do television and uh, television channels and radio channels do? They broadcast information. Okay, so we have the sower who's broadcasting the word, uh, yeah, the seed, which is the word, which is essentially the signal. So we have the broadcaster. Uh, you have the signal, which is the word. And then we have the soil, which is the receiver, the heart of those who hear. It's not the ears, it's the heart. And these three elements of the parable, this is very simple. And what is expected after a sower is sowing the seed? What is he expecting? Answer? Fruit. Yeah? The harvest. The desired result bearing fruit even a hundredfold. That's, that's a desired result. So he explains the parable. So now we, we, we kind of zeroed in on the elements of the parable and what is the parable expecting us to, to focus on is clear. And then in Mark's Gospel chapter four, he makes a very interesting statement. We're looking at, uh, I'm going to go through the parallel passages to get a a complete rendering of uh, the, this parable. But when he was alone, say alone, alone, those around him and with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom. So say alone, mystery. Okay? Uh, no, this mystery is not like a who done it. No, no, no. It is not Agatha Christie. Or Perry Mason. No, no, no. This is mystery, which is revelation. Alright? But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven. So I want to highlight one important principle when they're trying, when Jesus is trying to explain the parable. First, he says, we have to get alone with him to understand the mystery. You got it? Get alone with him to understand the mystery. There was a, a researcher from uh, University of Wisconsin, not sure if it's Madison or some other university, possibly Madison. He published a very interesting article in the 2005 edition of the BBC Science Journal channel, uh, um, uh, the Science Journal, uh, whatever, editorial. Okay. His name is Do- Dr. Norman Wilsman, Dr. Norman Wilsman. He made an interesting observation about these two guys. Who are they? Sheep. And, 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 and they say this is a, this is the newspaper which is reporting obviously. So, you know, how the newspaper reports this result. They say, they put sensors into the leg bones of the baby lambs and confirmed that most growth spurts Occurred when the animals were at rest or sleeping. So, very interesting. For the animals to grow, they should, they were supposed to be at rest or they should be at, they should be sleeping. And then, this is Dr. Norman Wilsman's observation. I'm quoting this. Quote, what was really interesting was that the bones were growing only when the animals were lying down 
And almost no growth occurs when the lambs are standing or moving. Unquote. Close quote. I mean, I thought well, this was interesting. This is a principle in Christian growth. Most Christian growth, if you want to grow spiritually in your stature, in your walk with the Lord, you need to be alone with God in a place of rest. You see, many, many, I mean, in fact, every man of God, they all grew in solitude, in the wilderness, away from all the clamor and the confusion of the world. So if you really want to grow, I mean, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of IT professionals and researchers and, 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 and all kinds of uh, busy, busy people, busy, busy, busy people. Busy people, whoever you are here in this congregation this morning. If you want to grow spiritually, one thing that you can never circumvent is to get alone with God. Look at this principle, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 29, part A. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and what? Learn. Meaning, all learning takes place when you are in a one-on-one relationship with God. Spending time in your secret closet. Honestly, I mean, it doesn't matter how busy your schedule is. There's some part of the day you just set apart, even if you're a mother, full-time mother, full-time mother, plus plus, uh, employee, whatever your profession or lack thereof, one part of the day goes separate where you spend time with God. You cannot ever, ever circumvent that. It is not your daily devotion. Or not even your daily Bible reading where you transact something spiritual from God. You understand what I'm saying? You know, if you know uh, James Tour, I've introduced James Tour to many of the young people over here. He's a scientist par excellence in chemistry in, uh, in Rice University in Texas. You know what he says? Every day I get up in the morning at 3 o'clock and I open the scriptures and I read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. After I finish, I again go back. He's a scientist. He's got 650 research publications, hundreds of patents, several companies which he started. He is not only a professor of chemistry, he's a professor of computer science also. He is the first guy who started nanotechnology, a nanocomputer. Okay. A Jewish man married to a Pakistani girl, a lady. And... Brains par excellence, but hard work par excellence. But he says, you know, the secret of my success is because I get up in the morning and I spend time with God in prayer. And you need to understand this man, if you if you know him, his accomplishments, and I looked at his accomplishments, I, as a researcher, felt ashamed. And I wrote to him, actually, I said, boy, your life is an inspiration. Okay, so... That's what, that's the first principle we all have to know is we need to spend time alone with God. See, why is there so much of confusion in our lives is because we don't have a transaction with God when, uh, alone. God is a God who speaks. Right from the beginning it says, in the beginning God created heavens and the earth and the God, and the God, and the Lord said, and the Lord said, and the Lord, see? 
said, yeah. So the Lord is speaking through creation, through everything. And he is a God who speaks. It says the word of God is living and active, powerful than a two-edged sword, dividing to the soul and the spirit and the joint and marrow. It is the desire of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So if that is the case, what you have in your hands, which is black and white print, is essentially the living word of God, which is able to speak to you. You got it? So, grow. Growth happens when you're alone. Let's move on and see a few more principles. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 41 to 42. Look at what it says. This is... Talking about Martha, when we know it all. But Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled. How many anxious and troubled people in this morning in the house of the Lord? You don't have to turn your, put your heads, uh, hands up. Anxious and troubled people. I looked at your prayer quiz. I know many are anxious, many are troubled. Okay. God said, no. Why are you anxious for your life? Life is psychology. Why are you anxious for your body? Body is soma. Why are you anxious about your psychosomatic problems? Okay. Don't be anxious about your psycho. <laughs> don't get psyched out. And don't get weary in your body. Okay. Anxious and troubled people over here. Many, you know what the antidote to anxiety is? One thing is needful. Mary chose that one portion sitting at the feet of Jesus and growing in your relationship with him. See, once you grow in your relationship, God doesn't say you should stay there forever. No, no, no. You, he will specifically tell you what exactly that you have to do. You understand that? Okay, so growth happens when you are in a one-on-one relationship with God, alone with God. God is a God who speaks to individuals. See, in a crowd, you know, that is the reason why the Andrew ministry is very interesting. You know what Andrew does, right? If you have a huge crowd, he looks at individuals and he will bring one individual to Christ. He is the one who brings Peter to Christ. He is the one who brings uh, Barnabas to Christ. He is the one who brings that small fellow uh, with uh, loaves of bread to Christ. He is always bringing individuals to Christ. And then when Greeks and all these people come uh, to meet Jesus, he brings them in a crowd. He's looking at individuals. That is what we call as Andrew ministry. And God is a specialist in Andrew ministry. Andrew ministry begins at home where you sit at Jesus' feet. You carry yourself in the spirit of Andrew. I'm sorry if I'm offended any Catholics here. So, <laughs> in this, he's laughing. Ex-Catholic is laughing. Okay. So, he, he just draw there in the spirit of Andrew and he speaks to you one-on-one. He's, in, he's interested in individuals. You know that? I'm speaking here to so many people, possibly about 100 people here in the congregation now, but every one of is a project in God's hand. He's interested in your life. Okay, so that is the first principle we learn. Let's move on. Then, Mark, Mark's Gospel chapter 14, verse 4 and verse 13, and he said to them, <clears throat> do you understand this parable? How then will you understand any other parable? In other words, if you want to unlock the mysteries of God, and if you want to get revelation from the scripture, for it is important for us to understand clearly, objectively, as well as subjectively, what this parable means. So that we will understand the principles of unlocking the truth of the word of God. You understand this? Okay, let's look at. So we'll first look at, I, told, I showed you four uh, four. 
elements in the parable. We have the first, the, say that, the sower. Then, seed. Say, let's say, loudly. Loudly. Sower. Seed. Soil. Say that again. Okay, good. If you were in my uh, other class in the university, I would have make, made you all stand and run one round, okay? But it's okay. Alright, the first we look at the sower. See, the sower is very important. You need to understand something. You have seven kingdom parables. The first parable is called the parable of the sower. Everybody knows that, right? Where we have the seed, which is the word of God. Second parable is the parable of the, anybody knows the answer? Wheat and the tares. In that, there is, what is the seed? Seed is the, not the word of God, are the people or the children of the kingdom. The third parable is very interesting. Is the third parable, anybody knows the third parable? Yeah, the third parable is a parable of a mustard seed. Okay. Fourth parable is a parable of the leaven. Okay. Fifth parable is a parable of the guy who stumbles upon the treasure and he sells everything he's got and he, and he purchases the, uh, the, the field. Sixth parable is the parable of this guy who's searching for pearls and he finds the pearl of great price and he sells everything that he's got and Gets that pearl. And the seventh parable is a parable of the dragnet. Where you have all kinds of people. The righteous to everlasting life. And the wicked to everlasting damnation and hell. Seven kingdom parables. The first parable talks about the breadth of the kingdom. Because he's sowing the seed. The second parable talks about the length of the kingdom. That is the beginning of the end and the end of the age. The length of the of the kingdom. The third parable is the parable of the mustard seed. So, it talks about the height of the kingdom. No, the fourth parable is a parable of the leaven. It talks about the depth of the kingdom. See, everybody got it. So, you have four dimensions. You have the length of the kingdom. Sorry, the, the breadth of the kingdom. You have the length of the kingdom. You have the height of the kingdom. And you have the depth of the kingdom and the last two parables are those people who are apprehended who are people who are entering into the kingdom. Two kinds of people. People who stumble into the kingdom. People are searching for the kingdom. Both kinds of people. You know a lot of people stumbled here right. Some of you were searching. So those kinds of all kinds of people are there. So six parables, seven parables, parable um, so we have seven parables and in this particular parable you have the sower. The sower is a person who sows the seed which is the word of God. So we'll zero in on the sower and all of us will eventually become sowers one day because we're all supposed to go and sow the seed of the word of God. So let us look at potential sowers. <clears throat> if you want to become a sower, this should be your attitude. First Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be to the office of the overseer, he desires a noble office. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband and one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. Let's read this together. Able to teach. You got that? Not a drunkard, not a violent man. KJV says, not a striker. Not carambot striker, but 
You know, all husbands know what it, what this is, right? Just kidding. Not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And then, another, another place, First Timothy chapter 3 verses 8 to 10. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. So you have, if you really, if you should have the ability to teach. Okay. By the way, everybody has the ability to teach. But we are lazy. Okay. Second thing, I'm not talking about the gift of preaching. I'm talking about the ability to teach. If, especially if you're a mother, that is a default. Okay, it's a default gift for you. And of course, if you are a guy like me who is passionate about teaching, I mean, it's, it, I just love it. Okay, so he should have a clear conscience. He should have the ability to teach. And then something very interesting about the sower. The sower is so important for a sower to be a man of study. Say that, a man of study. Say that everybody, a man of study. Okay, look at what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Be diligent or study to present yourself approved to God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, or a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it is important for a man who is in the teaching ministry or in this ministry of sowing the seed. And you know, 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 would say, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you and you should give it in what kind of a conscience? A clear, good conscience. You should all be ready. Everybody is working in a company. And you, when they ask you what is the reason for the hope that is in you, you should be able to tell them. That is how Nabil Qureshi got converted because of David Wood. All the Christians, they were saying, what is my fourth spiritual loss? They were searching. And this guy had an answer right on time and then in the rest is history. You know it, what happened to Nabil. You see, always be ready and prepared to give an answer. In season, out of season, I was talking to Pastor James. You know what he said, Vijay? When I go to the mission trip, I don't prepare anymore. What I am today is what I did in my... See, what I became in my 40s is what I did in my 30s. What I did in... What I'm, 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 I'm in my 50s is what I did in my 40s. What I will be in the 60s is what I do in my 50s. You see, there is a law, what we call as a law of sowing and reaping. And most of you are young. And most of you are distracted too. You see, but you should become the men of the book. Men of study. You see, this is, this is inevitable. You should, you can, you can, see, um, Paul tells a very interesting thing, right? He says, I am a debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians. His whole idea was to teach the book of Romans to the barbarians. Now barbarians don't have a script. So what was his, what was his agenda? He would create a script and teach the gospel to them. That's exactly what happened to everyone who, as missionaries who came to India. They learned the language and they translated the entire Bible into regional languages all across the country. You see? So these should be people of the book. And the second principle is very, very important. All to be wannabe preachers. Okay? Bible teachers, people who want to uh, take Bible studies. This is the principle with which you need to prepare for your study. Okay, Second uh, Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Work hard. This is the New Living Translation. Work hard and correctly explain. Everybody say, work hard, correctly explain. 
Okay, look at what it says in Ecclesiastes, and I showed you a very interesting translation. Look at that. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 9 to 10. Besides being wise, see, look at this verse, okay? Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. Weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. Wow, love it. Weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. You know, we have a course in our university called uh, Digital Language and Processor, Digital Logic and Processor. And there was one guy called Professor Biswas, who's from my ex-university, who actually created that course. You should see the way he meticulously plans every class. 28 lectures in a semester. He knows precisely what he's going to preach, or not preach, teach every semester, every class. He knows what kind of an assignment is going, what is the lab experiment, everything precision and in order, careful preparation. I looked at that man, he was about 60 years old, 65 years old. He came, he was the one who taught us, I mean, he was, I was under training uh, with one of his students. Tremendous teacher. Tremendous. Look, at, I, I got this in the, from the ESV. What, what should he do? The preacher sought to find words of delight. And uprightly he wrote the words of truth. What did he do? He sought to find words of delight. You know, there are a lot of lyricists in uh, Telugu industry, movie industry. Okay? Everybody is a movie, but everybody will put their eyes like that. Oh. Um, one of the lyricists, we had, he was having an interview. A guy is a scholar. They asked him, how do you write songs like this? You know what he said? Kashtamaina patal radam chala To write songs which are abstract is very easy. Too difficult songs. But suluvaina patal radam chala kashtam. To write songs which are easy to understand is very difficult. You know, uh, pastor tells me, right, he says, Vijay, one of the things you need to learn is to simplify. Work hard in simplification and it is not easy. You know that? Every good researcher, every good teacher, he's the one who can break up the entire concept into small, small building blocks. How many musicians over here? We have Abel, the, the natural musician. I was talking to him yesterday. How many notes in the, in the, in music? Seven notes and entire music is a linear combination of seven notes. That's it. So it is the arrangement of that notes in some beautiful fashion in some kind of a rhythm which creates interest in the music. Isn't it? Otherwise it's what we call as cacophony. Okay, so we have the cacophonics, the bard in asterisk. It's called cacophonics. Otherwise it's a symphony. You see, so the preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote the words of truth. Another translation, look at this, this is the New Living Translation. I like this, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verses 9 to 10. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. I love that. You should read the book of Proverbs, how how uh, Solomon classifies Proverbs. Okay, The teacher sought to find the, just the right words to express truths clearly. 
Another translation. Look at this. This is beautiful. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verses 9 to 10 in the, the living Bible. But then the preach, because the preacher was wise, he went on teaching the people all he knew and he collected proverbs and classified them. For the preacher was not only a wise man, but a good teacher. Oh, we have a lot of researchers in universities who are terrible teachers. Oh, you need to, they got a PhD and everybody is paying fees as royalty for their PhD now. Am I right? All the PhDs, partial head damage will know what I'm talking about. Okay, they're all, res- oh, we don't, you should see my professor. Okay, he's not there. If he listens, it's okay now. That time he'll be changed, he'll be my brother. Okay. So, you know, you should say, Vijay, I am this teaching business. I'm a researcher in my lab, in my books. And you should come to his class. It's one of the most boring lecture on robotics. And I'm like, my God, how can you make robotics so boring? He's one of the big researchers in India. You see, see, he's not only wise, but he's also a good teacher, you see. And he not only taught what he knew to the people, but taught them how? In an interesting manner. How many of you lost interest in a subject because of your teacher? Raise your hands, please. The victims of bad teachers. Come on. Come on now. Be honest. I hated some subjects because of this teacher. He used to work hard to make the class boring. You see? Work hard. You see, the sower is so important. That is the reason why Jesus is a tremendous example. Look at what John, Johnny MacArthur, John MacArthur says in his commentary on the book of, on this particular parable, uh, in his transcript of the, of this, of this, of this message. This is what he says. Jesus, he always starts with something they can understand and moves to something they don't understand. He begins with something they can see and moves to something they can't see. He starts with something natural and moves to something supernatural. He starts with what is material and moves to something spiritual. He starts with what is common and moves to uncommon. He starts with what is simple and he moves to something which is profound. That is Jesus. Amazing. This is how a sower has to be. You should be interesting people, by the way. Mm-hmm. Am I right? People should love to hang around you. Then they open a I just want to spend some time with this guy. Words of wisdom. He's an interesting character. You know, in, everybody is in a pursuit of happiness, right? The pursuit of happiness. And what you will say, you know what? I know some people who are love to be miserable. They are also happy being miserable. All the time. So they find enjoyment in misery. And they will look for people who are miserable like them. And everybody has a party in misery. Ah, you are miserable. I am miserable. You are worse than me. Are ah, this is fantastic. Enjoying. Pursuit of happiness by pursuing misery. You should be interesting people, my dear brothers and sisters. You should could be going through... Difficulties like the way no man can, but when people sit around you, they should see and smell the fragrance of Christ. That's a challenge, I tell you. You know, you see, uh, some, you know, there's, there's, there's a, in something, something interesting, right? You should be a teacher 
who should create interest for the student in the subject. So that is, you know what happens? A lot of people, Telugu they say, no? Kashtapadi jautar. Yem jautar, kashtapadi jautar. Thamatochi, burning the midnight oil. Huh? You see, just change the custom to ishtam. Ishtapadi chadu. When you ishtapadi chadu, then you don't have to be kashtapadi chadu. You see, if you enjoy something, it does not matter. You just are engrossed in it. Hours and hours and hours and hours. Why? Because you enjoy it. That's my indictment from, from my wife. You, Vijay, you love work. <laughs> you love. Because I enjoy it. It's, 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 it gives me a high. You see? This is important for us to understand. We should be interesting people. And if you are a researcher in your in your university and you are doing a problem which is not interesting, Baba, pack your research and run home. Because it will have no value. You will not add any value to your company and your research paper will be absolutely fit for the trash can. You will have no contribution if you are not enjoying what you are doing. You see, you should be interesting people. Source. Look at what, and then there's something else also about the, about the sower. This is very, very important. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. First, what does he want to do? He wants to do it first himself. And then he, Jesus did it for 30 years. 30 years pastor was talking to me and I said, Vijay, in how many years Jesus studied? Before he opened his mouth. After 12 years old. 18 years of study. Kya baat hai? Too much. And after that. Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He opened his mouth. He's like a fantastic teacher. Can you find a better teacher than, than uh, Jesus? Challenge you, you can't. Alright. So, so much to the sower. How many sowers talk? How many of us want to be sowers now? This kind. I want to be a sower like this man. I want to be an interesting person. I don't want to be a miserable person. I want to be a guy who's, who, who people just like to be around. I want to give value to people so that when they transact with me, there should be some kind of a spiritual transaction that should take place. Okay. Sower. Second is seed. Thank you. What is a seed? It is His seed, not synthetic seed. It is not manufactured in the laboratory. Look at what it says in Mark's gospel chapter 4 verse 14. The sower sows the word. What is a seed first? It's called the word? The word. Luke's gospel chapter 8 verse 11. The parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Matthew chapter 13 verses 18 to 19. Look at this interesting addition over here. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Whenever anyone hears the word of the kingdom. So you have the word, you have the word of God, and you have the word of the kingdom. Mm, interesting. So what you are being invited into is a kingdom. What is it? Say everybody kingdom. And kingdom has a king. You need to understand all of us deep down inside, we have a fascination with monarchy. Do you know that? 
Okay? Everybody, you know? That is the reason why even one prince and one princess get married. Oh, everybody is waving flags and they're all, they're crying and wailing and emotional. Why? How much power does the queen of, queen Elizabeth have? Zero. She's rubber stamp only. She's, she's powerless actually. She's just the head of the state. Naam ke vaste. But why this fascination with monarchy? Even in our own country. What do we want? Ram temple. Ram raj. Maryada purushottam Ram. Kisne bola tereko? There is fascination with kings deep down inside of us. Now, what this tells me is this. Democracy is the only gov- is a government only for the fallen man. You know, one man of God said this. I think Tim Keller said this. Democracy is like medicine. Nobody can live on medicine. How many of you had paracetamol for breakfast? And aspirin for lunch? And vitamins for dinner? You will have kidney problem for sure. If you have vitamins. See, we were never meant for medicine. And by the way, medicines will never satisfy us. You will actually become immune to medicine. Do you know that? If you keep on using medicine, you will get immune to medicine. So that is the reason why we keep on kicking governments out. First, we will have the liberals. We get tired with the liberals, kick them out. And we will have conservatives. We will get tired with the conservatives, kick them out. Then we will have progressive. We will get tired with the progressive, kick them out. We will never be satisfied with democracy because deep down inside everyone's heart is a desire for the king. But you know what? We hate the king. We hate the king. Why do the nations rage and the kings of the earth set their hands against his son and the anointed? Let us break his bands asunder. In Hebrew it's beautiful. Lama rege mule ummin yahegurik. God laughs. He laughs. They hate the king, but they only can live by the king. You know why they hate the king? Because they don't want the king in the heart. They want the king who is to be a political leader, but not the lord of their lives. Who will come and solve their problems. But he's not going to reign in their lives. You see, you'll be all like, the pastor was talking about this, uh, this emperor who visits his king, his subjects. Remember the parable, I mean, the story was telling, I, I, I was reminded of another story by Richard Wombrand in one of his books. He was writing this. I think uh, the book was, uh, Alone with God, if I'm right. You know, he talks about this, uh, this emperor who visits his subjects in disguise in the night. So he's disguised himself. The emperor disguises himself and he's walking on the streets and he finds a beggar with a begging bowl. So he gets, he feels so sorry for him and he goes and asks him, Oh, hi. And the beggar looks at him and he says, Hi. Do you know who I am? No. He opens his disguise, I'm the emperor. Ask me whatever you want. I will give it to you. Are you sure? He says, this is very interesting. Are you sure? He says, yeah. Absolutely, I'm the king, Baba. What do you want? Give me this. You sure you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to 
back off, right? You sure, right? He said, yes, absolutely. I mean, what a beggar ball. Fill this begging ball, he says. Small begging ball, fill it up. He looks at the begging ball. What, should, what do you want me to fill it up? Gold. Begging ball? Ha, come on, nothing. He goes, I mean, calls one of his uh, guys, go to the treasury, bring gold. So that guy brings gold and he puts it in the ball and it disappears. He's shocked and he's like, oh, what, what, what is this? Oh, maybe I'm dreaming. So he says, bring more gold. He gets more gold and he puts it in the ball. It disappears. So he's like taken aback. What's going on? He's, he's, he's thinking he's hallucinating and he says, bring more gold. He's getting frustrated now. And then he gets more gold and he puts it and it disappears. And he says, what? What in the world? What kind of a magic trick are you playing with me? You know what he says? King, this begging bowl is my heart. It doesn't matter how much wealth you fill it with. It will never satisfy me. Hmm. You know, most of us are looking for solutions for our problems. Like that woman, the Samaritan woman, six husbands, I mean five husbands living with the sixth, never satisfied. Because every relationship on the earth is short-circuited for depression. Never satisfy you. Now if you think about it, no? if you have, if you think that you're going to get satisfaction from your wife, you're going to put so much weight upon her, it will crush her. You see? No one can satisfy us except God. And that satisfaction is deep down inside, not outside. It is not the lack of problems. It is joy in the midst of problems. You see? So the word is the word of the kingdom. You're getting that, everybody. Have you ever thought the parable in these, in these dimensions? And then look at the seed a little more in detail. How do we get the seed? As I said, it is not synthetic. It is something which the Lord gives. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So what should I do? The seed is something which I have to, everybody say, receive. Okay? And then, second, the way I have to speak this, I mean the seed, so important, no? How do I get the seed? This is how I get the seed. First Peter chapter 4 verses 10 to 11. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the grace of God or manifold grace of God. If one speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And look at what it says in another translation in the Living Bible. God has given each one of you special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. Passing on to one others God's many kinds, uh, kinds of blessings. Are you called to preach? Then preach as though God himself is speaking through you. And I was I was talking to Brother Wilson the other day when we were having a discussion. I was telling him, Brother Wilson, one of the things I have realized after I came into the full-time ministry, without the Lord, I can do nothing. With all my cleverness and my intelligence, I can make one sermon. It will look very clever, very intellectual. But it will be absolutely dead if it is not from God. And then, the seed has to have several dimensions to it. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 6. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by what? Revelation 
by knowledge, by prophesying or by teaching. It has to have four dimensions. It has to be revelatory. It means it has to speak to your problem and to reveal the problem inside of you according to the word of God. And then it has to be knowledge, meaning it has to tell you what the mind of the Lord is. It should be prophetic in that it should correct you and also tell you what your future course of life will be if you make a decision today. And it should also be teaching which will edify you. That should be the seed. So we have the sower. We have the seed. And finally we have the soil. Now one man of God called this parable of the sower the parable of the soils. You see, ultimately it will depend upon the type of soil. You see, very interesting, no? I'm preaching the word. Or somebody else, Pastor James, for example, is preaching the word. Every one of us is receiving the word in different, different ways. The same word in different ways. Actually, same word according to the idol in your heart. No, for example, I'll tell you my struggle. When he's preaching, what is the idol in my heart? I want to preach like him. So when I'm listening to him, I'm listening to the way he's explaining, but I'm not concentrating on what? What he's explaining. You see that? Some some people are enamored by the preacher. You know, he's bombastic, he's charismatic, he's eloquent. Recently there was a a debate between David Wood and, uh, what's his name? Hijab, Muhammad Hijab. How many of you saw that? David Wood and Muhammad Hijab. Muhammad Hijab is this, you saw that, you seen that? Muhammad Hijab is this guy who is bombastic and very, very charismatic. He will speak the lies confidently. All he speaks is lies, but very confidently. And what will all the Muslims say? Are, kya bola re bhai, kya bola? Too much? Hey, this should be true. Look at the, look at the confidence. Nonsense. See? That is the reason why when Paul says, when I came to you, I did not come with excellency of speech or eloquence of men because I did not want your faith to stand upon the wisdom of men but on the power of God. You see that? So the soil is important. So it should be, also can be called as the parable of the soil. So how many soils do we have? How many kinds of soils? Answer. Let me see. Guess. Just just close your mind for five seconds and shout out the answer unanimously. One, two, three, four, five. Answer? Answer. How many kinds of soil? Somebody said four. How many of you think four? Four. Okay. So that is what you think. That's what I also thought. So let us see the kinds of soil that we have. First, we'll speak... The type of soil. The first kind of soil is what we call as a wayside soil. What is this wayside soil? Is this soil which is, I mean, if you have, have you, how many of you have seen fields? Okay, I was, when I was a small boy, I was about, I think, uh, third grade or fourth grade, my aunt, Narsingapalli, right? She took me to her village and she had so many farms and I used to go to the uh, sugarcane farm and enjoy jaggery all those days, right? So, the, every farm has a portion which is like a, it's a, it's a boundary. And it's the same soil, but what has happened to it, they've made it very hard to make it, make clear demarcations from one, one part of the field to the other. That is what we call as a wayside soil. The second kind of soil is what we call as a rocky soil. The third is the thorny or the weedy soil. And the fourth is 
good soil. So how many kinds of soils are there? Answer? Four. Answer is wrong. Among the good soil, there are 30-fold soil. There is 60-fold soil. And there are 100-fold soil. So there are three kinds of bad soil and three kinds of good soil. Did you understand everybody? Ardhamayinda. Purinjada anna sol wrong. Only three languages. Samaj me aya kya bola mene. Okay. So we have six kinds of soil. Okay. Three good, three bad. So let us observe the wayside soil. Luke's Gospel chapter 8 verse 12. He is explaining the wayside soil. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Lest they should believe and be saved. You see, how do I know that I belong to the wayside soil? Or in other words, my heart is... My heart is hard. How do I know? See, we we only can know by the effects. We can't do a diagnosis uh, because this is a spiritual principle, right? We can't go to a cardiologist. We can't uh, go to, for example, where's that sister? Young, intelligent girl? Hepzibah, right? She wants to become a cardiologist. We can't go to her and ask her. Because these are spiritual principles. How do I know that my heart is hard? Let's observe this particular parable in the parallel portions. Luke's gospel chapter 8 verse 12. Now Matthew's gospel chapter 13 verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and what? He does not understand it. Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one who received the seed by the wayside. There are several ways the enemy can steal the seed and by which you can know whether your heart is soft or whether it is hard. Look at one of the ways. Acts chapter 14. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so, this is Paul and Barnabas, and so that a, and so spoke that a great multitude both of the Jews and the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and what? Poisoned their minds so that they would not believe. So, so if your mind can be poisoned, then you have a heart. You know how it happens? Or you don't go to the church, re. Hey, teach all these things. Nobody can live up to those standards. What has happened? Poisoned. Or you know how many hypocrites are there in the church? Full of hypocrites. You know, I liked what John MacArthur says. Yes, we are full of hypocrites and we have room for several more. You're all welcome. We can certainly accommodate you. Uh, you be very, very careful, okay, when you use those terms. And I used to, just in the night when we were kids, and I said, Baba, all pastors are hypocrites. That's what I said. And ultimately God made me a pastor. So you have the biggest hypocrite standing here. Oh, you don't, that's what, they, what, you know what they do? They point out to the weaknesses in the man of, man of God and they poison your mind so that you will not receive the word. That is how the enemy snatches the word. How many of you, I know in this church so many people left because their minds were poisoned. 
They don't even realize what has happened to them. Enemy has come and snatched the word of God. You see, no malice perfect. I'm not saying that uh, preachers and teachers should not be living up to a higher standard. We are accountable and we are accountable. We are asked to live at a high standard. But don't put unreasonable, unreasonable expectations on them. I know I, I, I learned this lesson the hard way. You know, when I was about three or four years back, a strange incident happened in my life. Uh, we were living in a place called Lothkunta in Alwal, just before we shifted to Bonpoli, okay? And there was this guy, both his legs were chopped off. He came to my apartment, uh, climbed up the stairs, and said, is there Solomon Raj over here? And I, I just opened the dead, uh, chair, door to pick up the milk, and I looked at them and said, sorry, sorry, this is not Solomon Raj. Oh, they said there's Solomon Raj, there's a Christian family living here. Uh, I'm sorry, this is not Solomon Raj's home. Uh, oh, he said, oh, I'm so sorry. And he closed, and I just... I closed the door and I came inside and that guy, both legs chopped off. He was walking down the stairs again and I was so convicted and I opened the door and I said, brother, please come inside. Please come in. And he came up the stairs and I made him sat in the, in the thing and I looked at him and he said, you know what? I was a Brahmin convert and God called me to Pakistan. And after I was preaching the gospel, they put all false allegations on me and they took me to the printing press and chopped off my legs. They came to Graysom. You know that? Remember? The guy came to Graysom. He came and he disappeared. I was thinking, Lord, sometimes we have such unreasonable expectations out of leaders. Oh, they should stand firm. Who said? Do you know? If you go through those times of trials and situations, will you stand? Hmm? Think about it. It's so easy to point fingers at others. You see, if you have a slanderous heart, a heart that can be poisoned, you are a child of the devil. I can say that in the hand on the authority of the scriptures. Because the devil is the one who opens up people's lives. He is a slanderer. He is the one who tarnishes people's image. And that is how the word of God gets polluted. And we don't receive the word. Our minds get polluted. I know so many people in, in our church, their minds got polluted. Messed up their lives. We don't even know where they are now. Keep, look, look, at, look at this. Therefore, they stayed there a long time speaking boldly in the Lord who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews, part with the apostles. You will always find true and the false. Some some people who believe, even here now, in this congregation, not I don't know if everybody is believing. I don't. I can't see your heart. I don't even know if my heart is believing what I'm sharing. Forget about yours. Second way I know I have a hard heart. It is what we call as a principle of procrastination. Second Corinthians chapter 6. We then as workers together with him. This is verse, from verse 1 onwards. Okay, We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Meaning the word of grace. Don't receive it in vain. Let it not be snatched from your lives. For he says... 
In an acceptable time I have heard you. And in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold what? Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Today if you hear his voice. Don't harden your heart. Don't put away till tomorrow. Because you know what? Enemy is going to come and snatch it off. That is the reason why it says in Ephesians. Do not let your son what? Go down on your anger. See those days in the olden days. In the old covenant. Joshua said. Son. Moon, stop before I finish my battle. In the new covenant, God says, finish the battle before the sun goes down. Overcome anger before the, before you sleep. If you put it off the next day, you know what happens? Your relationship, especially with your spouse, will be shallow. So shallow. You know, because walls and layers and layers and layers of misunderstandings have happened now. I was telling the men's group yesterday, the most incredible challenge in a marriage is to take, to to convert your erotic love into filio, into friendship. It's easy to be erotic lovers, but it's very difficult to be friends. That is the reason why, you know what God says to Peter? Peter, do you? Agape me? Second, Peter, do you feel me? Do you love me as a friend? Are we friends, Peter? You know why friends? I'll tell you what is the difference between uh, between erotic love and uh, and uh, filial love. Erotic love, two lovers, they just love each other, and they're saying, "How beautiful is your eyes, your your smell of your skin, and your hair, and your handsome, and the way you speak." They're describing one another. But in a filial, in a friendship, you know what? They're talking about something which is common. They're not talking about a friendship. Hey, we are such good friends. Hey, dosati. Ham nahi chodenge nahi hota rahe, baba. How many of you sang with your friends like that? You didn't become romantic like that, no? Kuch to log kahe, no, no. Diye jalte hain, pool khilte hain, badi mushikil se magar dunia mein dost milte hain. And you should see that video. It has a, it's a love song between Amitabh Bachchan and uh, Rakesh Khanna. What nonsense. No friend will talk like that, baba. You know what is it? What is the opening statement in a friendship? Oh, you also have the same interest, is it? That is how it starts off. And whenever you meet, you're talking about that common thing. See? Mm-hmm. That was by... You don't have to pay for that. That was free of cost, okay? I'm reading C.S. Lewis. I'm getting excited. So I'm just... Just put it there. So, otherwise what happens if you procrastinate? Hebrews chapter 3 will say, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exalt. See, you don't depart from religion, you depart from a relationship. You see, it says in First Thessalonians, there will be a falling away, which will come first. You know, the word for falling away is apostasy. You know where the word apostasy comes? It comes from the Greek word, which is to divorce. That is what, you know, the, the, the Pharisees will come and ask Jesus, is it okay to what? Divorce, apostatize my wife for any reason. That's what it means. You see, when you leave Christianity, you don't leave the religion. You will possibly, the most religious person, you will come to every Bible study, you will take every notes. But what has happened to you? You have left the person. There's no personal relationship with God. You see, that is the reason why the way I started today's sermon was, are you having a one-on-one personal relationship with God? That is important. You can't circumvent that. Getting it? So what happens? But exhort one another daily while it is called, everybody say, loudly please. 
Shout out. Ah, once again. Are you are come on. My voice. Alright. So today, lest any one of you be what? Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Because tomorrow is not guaranteed, Baba. Nothing is guaranteed. It's it's gone tomorrow. We don't even know what is gonna happen the next moment. What are we talking about tomorrow? Look at this example or illustration of this principle in the life of Felix. Acts chapter 24. And after some days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. You know, they all like to hear sermons. Oh, beautiful sermon, Baba. Kya sermon. They love to hear anointed preachers especially because they, yeah, we heard so many boring preachers. Lord, let us hear this fellow who is excited and interesting. Uh, after a period of time, we will also become redundant and you leave. That's okay. So look at what he says. Now, as he reasoned, who reasoned? Paul reasoned about righteousness, self-control and what? And judgment to come. Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call to you. So how do you know whether you are you're postponing repentance and change for a convenient time? And convenient time will never come. When I have the money, I will repay. You will never have the money. You understand? Oh, when I... No, no, no. You start now. What do you have? First, give away. Let's move on. So, meanwhile, he also hoped to get money from Paul. Guys, see how his heart is getting harder now. It's not even going to bother him anymore. The same sermon over and over can be preached, but there's no effect on his conscience. You know why? Because it's been hardened. Because he postponed it. You want to get more light? You have to be faithful to the light which is already given to you. Only then will you get more light. Look at what it says in James to illustrate this principle of procrastination. James chapter 1 verses 22 onwards. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. You will be deceiving yourself. In other words, today if you, in other words, you just hear the sermon and you thought it was an interesting presentation. Wow, beautiful. All those embellishments you give to the sermon. Look at what is happening. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself and goes away without doing. And what happens to him? Let's read that. Immediately forgets. That is how the enemy comes and snatches the word. What kind of a man he was. Because you know what? The word of God has got in its, in its kernel though. It's a word of Christ. It's the anointed word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The anointing of the word. But if you want the anointed word to work in your life, you have to believe. And you have to obey. You have to act upon it. The blessing is for the doers and not the hearers. If you know these things, blessed are you if you shout it out loud please. Do them. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it as not as a word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually works in those who believe. It is the believing of the word which unwraps the power of the word of God. Don't lose focus. Concentrate. Concentrate. You know, they were playing this... Uh, 
world chess championship between Magnus Carlsen and uh, Fabiano Corvana. The challenger. Magnus Carlsen, the current world champion. The first match lasted seven hours and it was a draw. Seven hours of intense concentration for a one million euro purse. And what are we getting? A crown which can never be measured in worth. Priceless. And we just waver off in our concentration. Don't waver, saints. Don't waver. Don't ask God. You know what? I didn't sleep the last night. <laughs> I didn't hardly sleep, of course, on Sunday mornings. But even for this pastor's conference, we have six hours of teaching. And most of the times I don't sleep the night before. Very little sleep. Because so many things are going on in our mind. We say, we're there for eight hours continuously. Stretch. Concentrate. No? Focus. See, the, our, our generation is a generation which gets distracted easily. You know, uh, but Tim Keller was talking about this. He, he said, uh, I was discussing with one of my relatives the other day. He said, uh, you know what Tim Keller said? In 1980s or 1990s, if you found, found a guy waiting for a bus in the bus stop, what he was thinking is his idol. But now, 2018, if you find a guy waiting at the bus stop, he's got his FaceTime, he's got his WhatsApp, he's got his Instagram, he's got his Facebook, he's got selfie, he's distracted into millions of idols. He's not got one idol. We're living in an age of distraction, so focus, 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 everybody, focus, okay? Focus, I tell my children also, focus and teach them now, right now. If you can't teach your child to focus when they are young, they will grow up into people who will never be able to focus. You don't want that to happen. Teach them to focus when they are young. Focus. Alright. Let's move on. So, this works in those who believe. Look at it. Look at this as an example again, an illustration of this in the life of the centurion. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only what? Speak the word. And, I, and he, my servant will be healed. And Jesus is marveled. Because the power of God is released when you believe the word. Because we are powerless to change. You know, many of us want to change, right? We don't, we don't want to, we don't want to live defeated lives. We want to change. But you know what it says in Jeremiah chapter 23? Look at what, uh, sorry, sorry, 13. Jeremiah chapter 13 verse 23 onwards. Can an Ethiopian change his skin? Or a leopard his spots? Then also, can you do good who are accustomed to do evil? Romans chapter 5 verse 6. For when we were still without strength, we have no power to change, accustomed to do evil. Okay, so we are powerless to change. Okay, so act upon the word. So the next, we know this verse, I'm not going to uh, go into the details, we'll go to the next kind of soil. What we call is a rocky soil. Okay, so we have the wayside soil and we have the rocky soil. Let's read this verse and we'll get an idea as to what this rocky soil is. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up and because they had no depth of earth. They do not have depth of earth, so they immediately sprang up. So let us try to explain what this rocky soil is. What are these soil? These soils are soft above and hard beneath. Ah! There is no depth in their conversion. Their conversion is either at the intellectual level or at the emotional level. Oh, they get excited. Oh, so, so such a nice word. No. Oh, or they have, they have, they have an intellectual high. 
But what happens? They don't deal with real deep rooted issues. See, ultimately, what is God looking for? Fruit. Do you think this will have fruit? No. For soil, forget about it. So he explains what these kinds of people are. Matthew chapter 13, verses 20 onwards. But he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, immediately receives a joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a little while. For when tribulation and persecution or testing happens because of the word, immediately they stumble. That means they get offended. A little kind of correction, they get offended. Little change, they'll get offended. Okay, the third kinds of soil, weedy soil. Luke's gospel chapter 8 verse 14. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who when they heard, got out, got out and are choked with cares, riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. This is the weedy soil. What are these people? Who are these kinds of people? These are the people who have a divided heart. You see, they want to be in the kingdom. They also want to make money. They want to be people who are of the carrier. They also want to be called themselves Christian. They want to be full hearted for God. They also want to be full hearted for their career. It's not going to happen. Luke's gospel chapter 16 verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. You know that. Either he will hate the one or despise the other. So it is the double minded person and is not going to receive anything from God. Okay. That is the third kind of soil. Quickly we know this. Finally we will go to the good soil. Which I want to focus. Because we want to be the good soil, right? Let us see the good soil. First, Mark's gospel chapter 4 verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word and say, everybody say, accept it or receive it. And bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some a 100-fold. Okay, accept it or receive it. Look at every parable, every rendering of this parable, how it renders this particular word. Look at what it says in Luke, Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. But he who received the seed on the good ground is the one who hears the word and understands it. So you receive it, and then you understand it. Who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100-fold, some 60, and some 30-fold. Look at what it says in Luke's gospel, chapter 18. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word uh, with a noble and a good heart keep it and bear fruit with patience. So the good soil they do three action verbs. First they accept or receive the word. Then they understand the word and then they keep the word. How do you therefore receive the word? It's very important, right? We, how do we receive the word? Very interesting verse. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Let us look at this verse carefully. James chapter 1 verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with how? With meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now when you look at this word receive with meekness, Overflow of wickedness, filthiness. So I have to get rid of the filthiness, the overflow of wickedness, and then I have to receive the word. That is how I prepare myself to receive the word, right? There is a archaic translation of the Bible, we call, what we call as the King James Version. Okay, how many of you know the King James Bible? Look at the way the King James Bible renders this particular verse. 
Let's read it, everybody. Let us all read it. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. I love that. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, when we look at this word naughty, hey, naughty boy. No, 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 it is not naughty boy. That is what we know from the modern, he is very naughty, my child is very naughty. And we say, that is such a naughty boy, I bought him naughty boy shoes. From Bata. Bata has naughty boy shoes, okay. It is an archaic model right from my childhood. We had naughty boy shoes. My parents also bought naughty boy. And uh, if you have a boy, you can also buy naughty boy for him. But the word naughty is very, very interesting in the old English. Today, I'm going to teach you what it means to be naughty. And all the people who are writing MBA, CAT, GRE, TOEFL, no, not TOEFL, TOEFL useless exam, uh, you have uh, GRE, AGRE, GMAT, SAT, and CAT. I'm going to take a class for free for you. So let us look at the etymology of naughty in the archaic language. What is etymology? How we got, it's the origin of words. Taxonomy, if you will. Okay, naughty. Naughty equals not plus y. Don't just look at the equations. Yeah, that is nothing. What is it? What is it? Not. What does not mean? What does not mean? No. In other words, naughty means noy. I looked at this word in the dictionary, okay? And I found a spectrum of meaning for this particular word, naughty. When people in the old English, when they used the word naughty, they had a spectrum of thought which they wanted to convey. You want to know what the word naughty means in the old language? I picked up 14. 7 plus 7, okay? Because my birthday is on the 7th and the children's day is on the 14th, okay? So... Just some random thing, Baba. Don't just look at me like that. Okay. <laughs> okay, look at this. Naughty. What does it mean to be naughty? First, easy. We'll start with the easy one. Disobedient. Ah, oh, that's easy. Naughty boy. He's a disobedient boy. Okay, we know that. Another guy, another meaning. Defiant. What does defiant means? Always challenges leadership. That is naughty. So how many naughty people here today? Okay, we'll get a little more personal now. Delinquent. What does it mean? A guy who is lawless, unruly. No order. Kramam. Kramam this in other words, there is no kramam in his life. There is no order in his life. Now, how many people with the disorder in your life? You are naughty. Another place. It's easy. Undisciplined. Okay, you get it. This is a killer. Mutinous. In other words, mutiny. Inkalabs in the bath. 
In other words, what he's going to do, he's only not going to be defiant against leadership. He is going to start off a mutiny against leadership. That is not he. Another one. Fractures. In other words, a guy who keeps causing division so that we will not listen to the leadership. Naughty. I like the next one. All people with spectacles. Refractory. What does refractory mean? We know refractive index, right? How many of you read that in, in optics? What does it do? It bends the light. In other words, a guy who bends things to his convenience. In other words, he changes the rules according to his convenience. For example, if he's a manager in the company, 9 o'clock everybody should be there. Okay? If you are not here by 9 o'clock, Baba. But that guy, he will come at 9.30. What is he? Naughty. Refractory. Have you seen water? If you put, you take plain water, you do an experiment, go back home and do an experiment and put something, some, uh, some object in the clear water. If it's like 10 meters of length, how much does it appear? It appears shorter, right? Why? It's deceiving. It's bending the light. Something which bends the light. That is naughty. Hmm. Another word, recalcitrant. What does it mean? Resistant to change. He's got too much of inertia. He believes in the Newton's second law or first law. Everybody continues in its state of rest or of uniform motion unless acted upon by an external source. And even if you apply infinite force, it is not going to move. Naughty. How many naughty people? Okay. Another word. Obstreperous. Obstrepero. Meaning, strepero, noise. Make a lot of noise. In other words, we make resumes which make a lot of noise. In other words, empty vessels, pina, pataram, lona, lotaram. Nothing is there, nothing to show, but you make a lot of noise. Lord, Lord, we are doing this, we are doing that, we are doing that, we are expanding, we are doing contraction, expansion, contraction, oh, big, big things. And we had uh, our school <laughs> evaluation the other day, and this uh, the, the lady who came to our school, and you know, we mentioned in our school our agenda, we want to keep it as a church school, small school, we are not looking for expansion, we are looking at discipleship, this is our agenda, this is our vision. And you know what she said, she made a very interesting observation, she said, you know what, you are the only school who knows what they are doing. Everybody else is making a lot of noise. Expansion. We want to expand. We want to have 50 students, 60 students, 100 students, 150 students. Noise. Another one. Contrary. You know that. It's easy. Naughty is also attention seeking. Positive or negative? You see... When you have a student in your class, I learned it, okay? I learned it the hard way because I taught spectrum of students from three years till PG, okay? Three years in our school, PG in my university, all right? You should see, whenever a 
child or a student is throwing a tantrum, he is seeking for negative attention. And the worst thing that you can do is, hey, stop doing it. I'll give you a time out. Oh, oh, oh. Don't say that. I've learned it the hard way. The best punishment is ignorance. Ignore. Because nobody loves to be ignored. They can do all kinds of tantrums, act as if it's not even there. And when you don't give them attention, they'll stop. Okay? Huh? No, that is what we call as dressing, no? Right, Justin? Oh, she's like, no, no, no. <laughs> don't seek attention! No, that's my, that was my daughter, right? When she was three years old, two years old. Some wedding, arbit wedding in our church. We have a wedding coming up. That day, I'm going to wear this dress and I'm going to wear these shoes. Elsa auntie gave me those shoes. I'm going to put those shoes on. And I, I thought it was so cute, no? And I went and said, Pastor, you know what Abigail said? She said that she was... She looked at me like that and he said, Vijay, let me tell you something. She's already thinking about dresses when she's two years old. She's making a lot of noise. Attention seeking. Okay? Do something about it now. My eyes were opened, you know. Dingumani gyanabal will keep in order. You see? See, change, attention seekers. That's what we call dressing loudly. I don't know what that means. You know, we have an attitude in our dress. Oh, nonsense, I say. Attention seeking. Another word for naughty. Exasperating. Meaning what? You know, testing the patience of their elders. How much can I stretch my dad before he lowers the boom? That's what the children of Israel were. Children of Israel forever remain children of Israel. Can the Lord do this? Can the Lord do this? Can the Lord do this? Can the... How long will you exasperate me? Naughty! Incorrigible. Resistant to correction. Naughty. Encapsulated all these 13 in one word. What is it? Self-willed. Now tell me, according to this examination, you know, it's like a complete blood picture. CBP. After fasting. <laughs> yeah, she's already laughing. Sister is laughing. My wife went through that sister. Before fasting, after fasting, all the blood pictures we got. This is your analysis. Now, how many of us are naughty? Oh, very, very intelligent. <laughs> naughty, Baba. You're getting embarrassed. See, naughty. So what are you saying? Get rid of superfluity of naughtiness. Or oh, my goodness. Meaning you have an abundance of naughtiness inside of you. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So if that is how we receive the word. We get rid of naughtiness. Okay, naughty children? Let's move on. Understand it. Next one is, keep it. Next one is, 
understand. How do we understand? I'll tell you how we understand. You want to know how we understand? Six conditions you have to fulfill to understand. Three pairs of two. Got it? Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands. So what should you do? Receive and treasure. Incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Incline, apply. You know what inclination is? Incline. Acute angle. Don't be obtuse. Relax. What do you call as relaxing? His name is obtuse angle. Okay. That is the reason why you say, why are you so obtuse? What does it mean? Why are you so indifferent? Obtuse. Incline. See, your disposition tells me how interested you are in the subject. Your disposition, I, I mean, I've t- taught so many students, I look at, I said, oh, this is interested, this is, ah, fellow's gone case. Because I know one teach, one t- student of mine, okay. Lab exam, I gave her a question. She did a song and dance before me. Asked her, why did you put the circuit? What does it mean? <laughs> I don't know, sir. Why did you use this uh, chip? <laughs> don't know, sir. What is going to, what is, what do you think should the, should the end result be? <laughs> I don't know, sir. What are you, what are you expecting me to do? <laughs> I don't know, sir. I know. I know some students and I scare them. I look at them in the class, they play the fool. I say, you know what? I'll be personally taking a viva. Okay, I'll be personally taking your viva exam, viva, viva exam. And you should see those guys when they're doing the experiment, their hands are shaking like this. I said, okay, okay, take it easy now, okay? So, you know, I know when by disposition who is interested in the subject and who is not. Inclination. Are you inclined toward Jesus? Pairs of two. Receive, treasure, incline, apply. And then you should do, cry out. Say that. Cry out. Oh, it's not easy, Baba. Lift up your voice. How do you lift up your voice? Lift up your voice. If you come to my church office when nobody is there and you just sneak in, you will kind of hear my cries. <laughs> Lord. And my Lord, my voice itself is loud. So it's crying out. Then seek her as silver. Search for her as hidden treasures. And then what happens? Then you will understand. That's what Paul tells Timothy in 1st Timothy chapter 4. Do not neglect the gift you have. Which is given by prophecy and with the, when the council of elders laid their hands on. Practice. Immerse. Keep a close watch. Persist. You see that? Action verbs. To understand. 2nd Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. Think over what I said. The Lord will give you understanding. Think. Hard work. Finally. Keep it. How do you keep it? Patience, Baba. How much? Patience. Patient endurance is what you need now. So that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that He has promised. Patient. What does this mean? What is this? This is talking about character which can hold the blessing. Romans chapter 5. 
And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. So what is God after? Proven character. Proven character. Be patient. Don't cut the rules and do something like Abraham. Marry Hagar and create an Ishmael. Don't do that. Don't take shortcuts. James chapter 5. As an example, brethren of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings. That the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. Full of mercy. You know why? Because like uh, Rishi was praying in the morning, he said, you are not going to tempt me above which I can bear. You see? Temptations, trials is to build character so that you can hold the blessing. You know why? There is a time in your life that testing will stop and the blessing will overflow. That's what we call as Rehoboth. Rehoboth means what? Expanded. Expansion. And the blessing will flow. But be patient. And let God change you. You know, God has the power to change us through his word. As I close, I want to tell you the story of this. I read this beautiful story in Richard Wombrandt's sweetest song. Beautiful, beautiful book. There was this uh, guy who was a hunchback. You know hunchback, right? Hunch, not hunchback of Notre Dame, but this guy was a hunch. Ugly looking guy, okay? Nobody loved him. Okay, depressed, oppressed in life and he wants to kill himself. So what does he want to do? He wants to climb the toppest, uh, the, the, uh, the most, the highest mountain in his, in his, in his town and jump off the cliff. So he's climbing the mountain. Even as he's climbing the mountain, he sees a beautiful looking girl who's also climbing the mountain along with him. And he looks at the girl and he says, Hey, you look so beautiful. Why are you Climbing the mountain. I want to kill myself, she says. Why do you want to kill my, kill yourself? My boyfriend ditched me for another beautiful looking girl. I can't live my life anymore. I also want to die. So I said, oh, we've got company. Let us walk up the mountain and die. Now, even as there's going, there's another police officer who joins him. Who's also climbing the mountain. They look at him and they say, who are you? He says, I am a police officer. Why are you climbing the cliff? He says, you know what? There is a robber. There's a thief who's at large. And you know what? They gave me the responsibility to capture him. And I've been trying for years and years and years and years and years. I couldn't catch him. But finally, somebody tipped me off that this thief is on this top of the mountain. And he said, how are you going to recognize the thief? How are you going to recognize the thief, Baba? So many years have passed. You could have been, you could be very old man now. He said, you know what? He has got six fingers in both of his hands. I will catch him. He said, okay, fine. Let us, let three of us go to the monastery. So they keep, I mean, or top of the mountain. So even as they climb the top of the mountain, they see that there is a monastery over there. And in this monastery, there is a saint with a beautiful face, not beautiful, meaning radiance in his faith, peaceful looking man. When they look at him, all their problems are gone. They forget all their problems. They forget all their ambitions. They look at him and they're captivated by the image of this man. And they draw close to him and they look at him and they say, how can this man be look so 
peaceful. Let us kiss his hands. And they take his hands to kiss him. And on both his hands are six fingers. The story stops. Richard Mumran says, the story has to stop there. You know why? That man was converted by the power of God. That man was converted by the power of God. You know, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Who wrote that verse? Who wrote that verse? Tell me. Paul wrote that verse. You know why? Because he experienced that in his own life. You know why? Because he never forgot the enormity of his sin. He said, you know what? I killed Christians. I killed Christians. I killed Christians. But can you imagine the amount of faith he might be, he must be having to accept the forgiveness from God? That he was forgiven. The word of God has got the power to work in those who believe. It can change the vilest offender who truly believes. That moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. It is at the cross when this man looks at that man and he says, you know what? He is just. I am unjust. He is suffering unjustly. I should be suffering justly. If he is suffering unjustly and if he is a just man, he is dying for one reason, to take my sin. Lord, remember me. Today, in your kingdom, this day, you will be with me in paradise. The power of God to change. Do you have the faith? Do you have the faith? Let us stand this morning in the presence of the Lord. Gospel, the word of God has got the power to galvanize the entire omniscient power of God in your favor if you believe. If you believe. If you believe this morning, let's, let's pray. Just take a few moments. Uh, Rishi, can you just come and lead us in song, if you don't mind? One song, even as the Lord leads you. And we can worship. We've got ten minutes. We can worship and then we will pray. And Spend a few minutes this morning. So many of us, I know, going through intense testing. For sure, without a doubt. I know it. Because I'm acquainted at least with some of your problems for sure. As being a pastor, I know. I know it. I know it. You know, the best way I can love you is to prepare the word for you. Silver and gold have I none, Baba. But such as I have given thee in the name of Jesus Christ. If I truly love you, you know what I'll do? I'll go to the presence of the Lord and I will work hard to give you the word that you need for today. And I believe this was the word that God laid on my heart because I know so many of us going through intense doubts and anxieties and whatever thoughts, giving up. So some some of the prayer requests. But you know what? The word of God has got the power to work in those who believe. Are you that good soil. All you need is Lord, a good and an honest heart which will keep and which will receive, keep and understand the word. Receive, keep and understand the word. Receive, understand, keep the word. Amen. This Esrishi lead us in song this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that's the song. Hallelujah.
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. As I said in the morning, come and cast your burden at the feet of Jesus. I just would encourage you to come to the front this morning. Sisters, Sister Elsa and Sister Justin will lead you, lead us, lead the sisters in prayer. And we can all just join hands this morning and surrender our lives to Jesus. Come, 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 come. Don't just hold back. Just don't hold back. Just don't look at the left or to the right. All of us are naughty for sure. And I'm not doing this because I want to show off. I truly, truly feel led in my spirit. Just lay it at Jesus' feet. Some of you still struggling to forgive yourself. You said, Lord, I've sinned so bad. I've just let you down so much. I can't forgive myself. You need to receive forgiveness this morning. If you are wounded, God will heal you. If you have sinned, God will grant you the gift of repentance. If you are oppressed, God will deliver you. And if you believe that, God has, the word of God has got the power to work in us who believe this morning. Sister Elsa, if you can please lead us in prayer. Uh, can you just give a mic to Sister Elsa? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Hallelujah. 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 Purge us today, Father. Purge us. Wash us. Cleanse us from inside out, my God. Guard our hearts today, Father. 
God our minds today, Father. Jesus. 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 There's something about that name, Jesus. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. There's power in the name Jesus. 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 We call on you today, Father. The author and finisher of our faith. The Lord that knows the end from the beginning. The Lord that sits high and looks below. Heaven is your throne and earth is your footstool. What we go through here on earth is temporary, my God. It's temporary. But we look towards eternal life, eternal glory, my God. Towards that crown, my God. Lord, I pray today, Father, that you touch every broken heart today, including my own, my God. Touch every mind today, Father. Who can ascend into the holy hills of heaven except a man who has clean hands and a pure heart? Yes, Lord, we once were lost, but now we're found. We once were in darkness, but now we see light, my God. And I pray today, my God, every one of us standing here today, my God, every one of us, my God, from the youngest to the oldest, my God, I pray today, let deliverance, let healing take place in the house of God today, my God. Let the anointing destroy yokes, pull down strongholds, break bondages today, Father. Tear down the walls of Jericho today, my God. Tear it down today, Father. Tear it down, my God. Let us learn to worship in spirit and in truth, my God. Let us love God first with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. Only then can we love our neighbor as we love you, my God. Only then, my God. Oh, Lord, I pray God is love. And Father, I pray today, my God. Jesus, Jesus, teach us to love one another, my God. Teach us, teach us to look beyond falls and see the need. The need is Jesus, my God. The need is you, my God. We need you in this last 11th hour. We need you today, my God. We need you, my God. Thank you for the word today, my God. Thank you for your presence here today, my God. Thank you, thank you for convicting us. Thank you for comforting us. Thank you for touching us. Thank you for meeting us at our point of need. Thank you for speaking to every one of us, my God. I pray today, my God, we will tear down the idols in our hearts, my God. We tear it down, my God. We tear it down, my God. Tear it down today, Father, as we search right now. And we search our hearts right now. Naughty, naughty, naughty hearts. Above all things, the heart is deceitfully wicked, my God. We acknowledge, my God, that without you, we can do absolutely nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. You're the God of the impossible, my God. You're the God of the impossible. Touch us right now, my God. Touch us, touch us, touch us, my God. One touch, one touch to be made whole in you, to be complete in you. One touch, one touch, my God. We just thank you today, Father. Thank you for the word. Thank you for Pastor Vijay. Thank you, thank you for speaking to us, my God. As we leave this place, but never your presence, my God. I pray today, faith cometh by hearing, by hearing the word of God. I pray change will come from within, that we will not go back to our old selves, my God. 
we will pick up our mat and walk and follow you my god we will deny ourselves pick up our cross and follow you it's a daily walk my god it's a genuine surrender my god and i know my god without you we cannot do it we cannot we cannot we cannot my god without your anointing oh lord i pray let the anointing rest upon every one of us today as we are here right now and you destroy you you destroy everything that disappoints you everything that displeases you destroy it today my god cleanse it from within my god cleanse from within cleanse from within cleanse this heart cleanse this mind cleanse this tongue take the coal and cleanse our lips today take the blood and cleanse our ears my god help us never to be dull of hearing my god today if you hear my voice harden not your heart oh father take the stony heart and turn it into a flesh a heart of flesh and compassion my god Thank you for your mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Thank you for mercy, my God. Thank you for grace, my God. Thank you for truth that will set us free, my God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, my God. We love you. We love you, my God. We love you. We love you. We love you, my God. We love you. Touch us right now, my God. Touch us. Touch us, my God. Touch us. Touch us. Touch us. help us help us we thank you and praise you jesus in jesus name we pray amen amen may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with us and grant us the faith to believe that the word of god has got the power to work in those who believe and change us from the inside out in jesus name we pray amen amen <laughs>